You think you've got issues? Hi, I'm Dr. Laurie Appel. Welcome to my podcast, where we will be talking about a variety of mental health issues, because you know, we've all got issues. So on today's podcast in this series about parenting, we're going to be talking about how to parent a child with a chronic medical illness. And we have a very special guest on today's program, Ms. Christine Knockenhauer. Uh, Ms. Knockenhauer is a licensed clinical social worker. She earned her master's degree from Temple University. And during her career, she has worked with children, adolescents, and adults in a variety of settings, including community mental health, residential facilities, schools, and she has a thriving private practice. Ms. Knockenhauer is also one of the founders of Type 1 Parent Project, which is a nonprofit organization committed to building a supportive community for families who are affected by the daily challenges of type 1 diabetes. Their mission is to support one another and to work together to raise awareness and funds for research that will lead to a cure for type 1 diabetes. Christine is also the parent of a child who has type 1 diabetes. So she has a special knowledge of what it's like to parent a child with a chronic medical illness. So one of the first things that I want to ask you, Christine, is what was it like for you when you first found out about Ryan? When I first found out that Ryan had type 1 diabetes, I was in complete shock. Um, I had no knowledge of what it meant and how serious it was. And it was very scary and overwhelming. Okay, so tell me how old was Ryan and and how did you come about to find out about this diagnosis? Ryan was 14 and a half when he was diagnosed. And uh, looking back now, he had all of the symptoms. But at the time, because I wasn't aware of what the symptoms were, I really didn't know what was going on, but I knew something wasn't right. And I knew he was struggling with something. Um, and when I got him to the pediatrician, they um, brought me back into a room after they tested his blood sugar. And the doctor told me that we needed to go home, pack a bag for a stay at CHOP and to go immediately to CHOP and that they would call ahead and make sure they're ready for us. Um, And I remember looking at the doctor because her face was really grave and serious. And I remember saying to her, what, what do you mean? And what, what, what would happen if we don't go like immediately, like right away? And she looked me in the eye and she said he could die. And, uh, that's when the, st- the tears started. I still really didn't know what we were dealing with, but I tried to hold it together for my son because he was in the room. And we went home. We packed a quick bag, called my husband, and uh, headed down to CHOP. Wow. I, I can't imagine how terrifying that must be. How do parents – you've worked with a lot of parents in this organization. Does it usually come about like that, that there's something, a symptom that sends them to the doctor, and then it's this crisis point? Yeah, that's often the case. Actually, a lot of kids with type 1 diabetes um, – Unfortunately, don't get diagnosed in time. A lot of the symptoms can look like the flu. 
and end up in critical condition. I'm guessing that that's why it was so important for you to establish this organization in order to raise awareness so that kids don't end up in this critical condition. Now, just to broaden the perspective a little bit, because there are several chronic medical illnesses that children can deal with, what do you think are some of the really big challenges that parents face when dealing with a child who has a chronic medical illness? I mean, you know, things like insurance and school and, and dealing with worry, like what are, what are some of the biggest challenges that you and that others have faced? Um, there's a lot of challenges with type 1 diabetes. I think that one of the biggest ones is the constant worry and the constant fear. Um, on top of that, there's a lot of um, energy that has to go into uh, doctor's appointments, insurance claims, medical supplies, and uh, just the, the day-to-day management of uh, type 1 diabetes. It's a very time-intensive, um, and um, it can be emotionally draining. And do you think that there are misconceptions out there about what type 1 diabetes is. I mean, I think that a lot of people are really clueless about the differences, say, between type 1 and type 2 and what that means. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, In terms of diabetes, only about 10% of people with diabetes have type 1 diabetes. So it's, it's definitely more rare than the more common type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease. It used to be referred as juvenile diabetes. Um, And basically what happens is the pancreas stops producing insulin, and everyone needs insulin in order to survive, to live. Um, So it's something that can't be prevented, and currently there's no cure. Now, I know that a lot of people in part of your organization, Type 1 Parent Project, you see a lot of parents with kids of all different ages, you know, from children who were diagnosed. And I know even in my practice, I have children who were diagnosed at a very young age, you know, before they even reach the age of two, up to kids who were diagnosed as a teenager. And that's true for type 1 diabetes as well as other medical illnesses. What do you think are some of the challenges that face parents who are dealing with a child with a medical illness as they become teenagers, given that, you know, teenagers don't really like, you know, to be babied or to be micromanaged. So how how challenging is that as a parent? It can be really challenging. There's a lot of transitions just in general with teenage development. Um, But then you add, add in the type 1 diabetes, which you know, it takes on um, a whole nother level because it's, it's the type of condition that you have to constantly be thinking about. And then you add in puberty and hormones and all that can make the, the day-to-day management of type 1 diabetes even harder. Um, and that's not even talking about the emotional component that um, comes into play with uh, having a teenager who is trying to, um, you know, become more independent and more responsible what are some of the struggles that you see teenagers going through? I mean, I'm sure there's a certain amount of social anxiety. I mean, teenagers are 
pretty socially anxious to begin with. But when you have a chronic medical condition, especially one that you have to manage so publicly, what are some of the struggles that you see the kids that are involved in your organization going through? Well, it does depend on the age, and I think it also depends on the age that they're diagnosed. Um, for some kids who've had it since they were toddlers, they've really, they haven't really known much different. Um, so it's, it's definitely different, you know, depending on when the child is, is diagnosed. My son was diagnosed as a teenager. He was 14. Um, it definitely was hard for him emotionally in terms of, you know, all of a sudden being different from his friends, all of a sudden needing to, um, you know, take a shot every time he ate to think about, you know, act, physical activity and what that's going to do to, to his, his, how he feels, um, to always have to carry a bag with him with his supplies, um, just lots of things like that. Um, in the beginning, he, um, he didn't feel all that comfortable being open with, with what he had to do with his self-care and giving himself shots and stuff. But within some time, a few months, he became more comfortable with that. But in the beginning, he didn't want anyone to know. He really didn't want anyone to know that he was now different and struggling with this, you know, medical condition that most people, when they hear the word diabetes, they think that you brought it on yourself, that you ate too much sugar. There's a lot of stigma out there about that. Well, so that's a really interesting point, because both as a parent and also as a therapist, what would you recommend to parents for those kids who say, I don't want anybody to know about this. I'm not ready to tell people about that. How would you suggest that parents handle that with their kids? I think it really depends on the kid, but I think you should follow their lead. And if they, you know, if they're not ready, they're not ready, and that's that's okay. It's not something that you have to share with with anybody until you're ready. Um, so I wouldn't push it, and I would just follow their lead. And eventually, you know, they'll become more comfortable, and it will become more of a, you know, just everyday occur occurrence. And and they'll start telling their friends, and it just will become more comfortable for them. Right. Slowly over time, they'll gradually get it, and you need to follow their lead. Okay, I like that advice. Now. How hard has it been dealing with just the medical community in terms of access? I mean, you're lucky. You live in Pennsylvania. You have access to Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania. How hard is it accessing, or was it hard for you to access medical care and, and also dealing with the insurance company? I mean, when you have a child with a chronic condition, I'm sure there are ex like chronic expenses that go along with it. Yes, and you're right. We are really lucky that we live in Pennsylvania. Not only do we have um, the Children's Hospital of, of Pennsylvania right here in our backyard, which is incredible resource, and we feel very grateful that we have that so close to us. Um, but not only that, in the state of Pennsylvania, children with type 1 diabetes um, are able to get um, Medicaid, which helps a lot with the... Um, ridiculous expense that comes with having type 1 diabetes. It's a very expensive um, chronic condition that a lot of families really struggle with, a lot of adults really struggle with. So what about dealing with the insurance? Has that been an issue? I mean, how do, did you have to do a lot of advocating for, for coverage for things? 
Yeah, I mean, it really it really depends. I know a lot of families that have struggled more in this area. Uh, it depends on what your insurance is. They all have different protocols. Um, a lot of times you have to jump through a lot of hoops. You have to make a lot of phone calls. I could tell you stories. One of them that top, top of my head is that, you know, at one point when my son decided to go on an insulin pump, the pump was approved, which was great, but the test strips that go along with the pump, they were not approved. So it's that kind of thing that just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, we had to go back to CHOP. They had to write a letter. They had to fight it. Um, it turned out okay, but it just takes time, and it can be very frustrating. Um, it sounds like it's almost like a, a full-time job just trying to manage the logistic aspects and the, the insurance aspects of dealing with a chronic medical condition. Yeah, it can be. I mean, and not only the, the insurance, but, um, you know, you have to have really good, uh, good communication and a lot of communication with the school nurse. Kids with type 1, unfortunately, spend a lot of time at the school nurse. And you're, you know, depending on the nurse to take care of your kid. Um, so it's, it's the type of thing that often throughout the day, you need to be in contact with the nurse to kind of help the nurse make decisions. Speaking of communication, do you think, from what you've seen of all the families that you've worked with as uh the president of Type 1 Parent Project, do you think that men and women handle it differently? Because I feel like, you know, I mean, I know for myself as a mother, I worry more than my husband does. So do you think that there are differences, I mean, you know, between men and women, whether it's, you know, a husband and wife or, you know, two mothers or two fathers, do you think that there are differences in terms of the way men and women handle a chronic medical illness. Uh, ab- absolutely, and again, it de- it depends on the couple, depends on the personalities of the parents. But you know, in my personal example, I definitely worry a lot more than my husband. He'd be the first one to 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 tell you that. Um, but in a way, I think because we have such different approaches, it was a really good balance for Ryan um, because my husband would would be, you know, more like, it's going to be okay. It's fine. We'll figure it out. And, you know, and I, um, you know, not that I verbalized it always, but I, you know, definitely had more of a, you know, constant um, worry. Um, and I'm not saying parent, fathers don't worry and they, they don't get scared because they absolutely do. Um, it just, you know, it really just depends on the person. But I would say in general, I am generalizing here, but moms tend to, to worry tend more. to worry more. But yeah. it's but it sounds like it's good as a couple when you have that balance between somebody who's kind of less worried and more positive and more about taking risks, but then you also have that other parent who's less, who's more risk averse, and that it, that in that you can find a good balance. Right, and thinking about all the scenarios and being prepared and planning and, you know, all that stuff that helps make those risks successful. So tell me a little bit about, I just want to segue into Type 1 Parent Project. How did you come about doing this organization, founding this organization, and, you know, how did you develop this mission, and how has it grown over the years? I mean, your son is now 
19. So it's been five years. When did you start it? And tell me how it's grown. So with with a lot of chronic health conditions, families can feel pretty isolated and alone. Um, And I know I, I went through that after Ryan was diagnosed. It was really hard for me to find any local support groups or local families. It was, um, it was about maybe seven or eight months into his diagnosis um, when I finally met another type 1 mom. And when I met her, I actually met her down at CHOP at a, tra- at a training that we had to attend. Um, we discovered that we had sons that were diagnosed within a month of each other and actually attended the same middle school. So for six, seven months, she was struggling with all the same things I was struggling with, but we just didn't know about each other because of HIPAA and, you know, all that stuff. So when I finally met her, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders just to have somebody who really understood what, what it was like on a daily basis, um, just took a big uh, emotional, it was a big emotional relief for me, and it made a big difference in terms of my stress level. Um, So once I met her, she introduced me to another mom. And the three of us decided, well, first of all, we became close friends. um, And we supported each other, which is really um, beneficial when you are dealing with something that most people don't have uh, any idea of. Um, Type 1 is definitely, some people call it an invisible disease because your kids look really healthy and, and strong and athletic and busy and, and all that stuff. Um, and they are when they're, when they're taken care of well. But uh, most people don't understand how serious it can be and how quickly uh, their condition can change. So it was just really, really nice to have someone to, um, to talk to. So the three of us started supporting each other. And within that, we decided to fundraise together. And that first year, we, um, we held a big party, and we, uh, we raised quite a lot of money for JDRF. And we discovered that not only were we able to support each other, but we also made a pretty good team. So we decided to just keep going and keep fundraising. And, um, you know, due to the fact that a lot of families really struggle in the beginning and they feel alone and isolated, it was important for us to figure out a way to, to help build a local community so, so people didn't have to do it alone um, and they could feel supported from the get-go. So what is some advice that you can give to parents? How do you care for yourself while you're dealing with a child with a chronic medical illness? Well, to be honest with you, it can be kind of hard, especially in the beginning. Um, I would say to reach out to local organizations for support to see if um, you can meet some people. It really helps a lot to have people in your corner who are going through the same thing, Um, to have people to bounce things off of, who who can give you tips and hints and and just support you in a way that that people who who aren't living with it can. Um, I would also say, you know, try to focus on self-care, try to get enough sleep, which is actually super hard to do when you have a kid with type 1, but um, try to take breaks. Um, Try to, you know, make a point of of going out and having fun and not letting type 1 diabetes or any chronic disorder uh, stop you from anything because it shouldn't. 
makes things a little bit harder, but definitely shouldn't stop you from anything. Um, and then I would just say to, to remember it's a marathon and not a sprint and to take it one day at a time and to give yourself a break and remind yourself that it's okay to not be perfect. Christine, thank you so much. This was great advice. And if any of you listening would like to learn more about Type 1 Parent Project, go onto the website, which is toppfoundation.org. And that's it for today's podcast. Uh, Next time, I'll be talking about uh, helping your children develop good, positive self-esteem. Thanks for listening. Dr. Laurie Appel is a licensed psychologist in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Her license and practice information is available on her website, lauriepelpsyd.com. All information provided on Dr. Laurie's podcast is solely for educational and informational purposes and is not meant to serve as psychological counseling. If you have personal issues you would like to explore, please contact a licensed mental health professional in your state.